For a little while this morning, I would like to turn to John's Gospel in chapter 15. And as I, as I mentioned last night, I want us to think especially the words at the end of verse 5. But I'll read at the beginning of that verse. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And especially those words, apart from me, you can do nothing. In the previous few chapters of this great uh, apostle's testimony, as it were, concerning the Lord Jesus Christ and his ministry, and his ministry to someone like John and to the rest of the disciples, and a ministry to you and to me as we live and as we cope with a world that seems to be going against everything that you and I believe in. I'm sure there are times when we get frustrated. Maybe we get frustrated with God. Maybe we're asking God, or are we asking God to come and bring a great deliverance from the situation in which we find us, he finds us, and we find ourselves as a generation. Back at the beginning of chapter 14, Jesus is really truly commending himself to the disciples. He knows what is ahead of him. <coughs> In fact, the disciples ought to have known what was ahead of him, although probably they lived in such a state that they didn't want to believe what was happening and what was going to take place. At the beginning of John's Gospel, he says to them, let not your heart be troubled. I'm quoting from the authorized version here. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Jesus knows what is ahead of these disciples. It's not going to be comfortable. In fact, it's going to be very difficult for them. Unlike someone like Peter, you and I should learn. Peter did learn that however he felt he had the ability to conquer everything, he couldn't. He wasn't able to. In fact, that's the whole reason why Jesus, I believe, comes before us with these words recorded by John, trying to tell us and to tell the disciples that, you know, you've got to remember as followers of me, you can do nothing in and of yourselves. Many's the one, including someone like Peter, he thought he had it all at his feet. There was nothing, no problem for him. No matter what Jesus would say to him, Peter had to learn the lesson that what he was doing the way that he was speaking and suggesting that he was the one who was the custodian of everything 
Peter learnt a lesson, but it was a good lesson, and a lesson that has been handed down to us. You know, even when Jesus had to say to him, get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written. Nobody likes to hear Jesus have to talk to them through his word in the way that he did to Peter or to his disciples when Jesus had to speak about the exercise of their faith, how poor in quality it was. But having assured them in John 14 and moving ahead, as it were, he says to his disciples, arise, let us go forward. We can't stand still, there is something to be done. And they were the ones that were being handed the word of truth to proclaim to the generation and to other generations following. And Jesus does this by showing to them their attachment to him. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Now this parable is someone sometimes been misused. Sometimes it's been interpreted wrongly. But there are certain aspects of this parable that surely ring out into the hearts of each and every one of us. And when Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches, that's our relationship to him in a metaphorical sense. We are the branches of this great vine that Christ is. I wonder how often we might contemplate even that theme itself. We have an attachment to Christ, the kind of which that is not to be found in the rest of the world. Not even to our wives or our husbands, that is a special attachment that the word of God speaks of. But the attachment of the branches to the vine is something very special. And it's special because of this. It is special because Christ has redeemed us. We belong to him. It's not as though we're some kind of attachment that is kind of irregular. When we were attached to the vine, this was sure. It was something firm something secure, something that would never end. And that in itself is a great privilege and something to be very thankful for. <clears throat> that the Lord Jesus Christ has brought us and redeemed us to himself. I think when the psalmist says, as I quoted, I think, in my prayer, Psalm 27, verse 4, speaks of the desire, a desire that is affirmed by an attachment, an attachment that the psalmist David had to God. And this borne out as a result of what he could truly say, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? 
The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Not even mine enemies. Now, even in that statement itself, there is a tremendous amount that has an assurance and a security for you and for me. We live by faith, not by sight. That's what David was expressing in that psalm. And the consequence of his unawareness of his attachment to God was this. He had one desire. Oh, it wasn't his only desire. He had many desires, I'm sure, with respect to his kingdom and with those to whom he had responsibilities. But this desire that he had was to be with God, to be with God's people. For what purpose? To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. I wonder if that's what we think about every time we come to the house of God, or not even only coming to the house of God, but in presenting ourselves before God in the privacy of our own home and our worship. One thing I desire of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the presence of God all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord. Now, that's what Christ is seeking after us, even in this expression of a relationship between his people and himself. He is the vine, we are the branches. But as you and I head out upon a new year, what are our desires? What are the longings of our hearts? What is the thing that comes uppermost in our mind as a believer in Christ, as a branch of the vine? Have we got aspirations? I'm sure we have, whether in business or otherwise. But for David and for Jesus here, all that he wants is of his people is to do what he would have them do. Do you ever feel yourself estranging yourself from Christ, walking in your own path, doing your own thing, making up your mind what you are going to do to the neglect of asking ourselves, what does Christ want me to do? The Apostle Paul, he was concerned about this matter. And he himself knew that he could do nothing without Christ. It was set before him. It was given to him by Christ himself about the things that he was going to suffer for the gospel's sake. And Paul was not just accepting of what Christ was saying that would be happening to him. That's what Jesus said, did he not? That Paul would suffer many things for the gospel's sake. 
So Jesus is saying here in this great parable, whatever we understand with all regard to all the ins and outs of the parable, parables are very difficult because sometimes we can overinterpret them or even underinterpret them. But in a statement like this, without me, you can do nothing. You can take it to its basic level. I can't breathe without Christ. I can't take one step without Christ. I can't move forward without him. And that's what Jesus is advising the disciples. Jesus knows what's ahead of them long before they know what's ahead of them. Oh, they come to realize the suffering and the persecution that is just around the corner. When Jesus was crucified, they recognized that they too might come under the authority of those who were the enemies of Christ. And they would find their life tested to an extreme degree. And Jesus is saying to them, every step you take, everything you want to do, don't attempt to do it without me. Jesus says to us in this passage, whatever you ask of my Father, he will do it for you. But we ask in faith. We ask believing. We don't ask as a matter of course. That can be so easy to be done. You and I may have aspirations for 2024. The congregation here would have aspirations, I'm sure, with regard to the spread of the gospel. You may think to yourself that that gospel cannot be expressed unless you have an under-shepherd over you. It's as though we may go to sleep during the time of a vacancy, but we don't. Because what you think that was laid to the disciples' feet, the charge that was given to them, arise, as the authorized person puts it, arise and let us go hence. Don't stop, don't linger. Just because I have told you I'm going to suffer and die for you for the gospel's sake. Don't hide. Don't put your light under a bushel, but set it upon a hill. Because he is leaving the responsibility to the disciples to spread the gospel. Now that, not on their own. We know that. Did he not, in John 14, give them the promise of the Holy Spirit? That the Holy Spirit would go with them and help them. I wonder, do we regularly ask the Holy Spirit to enable us day by day to go in front of us, behind us, and beside us, to direct our steps that we may be found worthy of our calling? I am the vine, you are the branches, and every branch in me that doesn't bear fruit 
he pulls down. Now, what is this fruit? What is expected of us by Christ? It's not hard to find in the gospel. It's there in practically every page. A love for Christ. Is my love increasing for him each day? Every time we rise out of bed, do we give thanks to him for what he has given to us? Breath of life, but more especially, the opportunity to live and to walk by faith. What does he want of us? He wants us to love him. He wants us to have a holy walk with him. Now, that's a difficulty, isn't it? Because as we examine ourselves, as we did a little bit last evening, we recognize the many flaws and we wonder, is there any possibility of me keeping up with the demands of Christ? Of course there is. Oh, we're not going to be perfect. We know that. But our love for Christ should be increasing. Our walk with Christ should be Christ-like. Be ye holy, says the word, for I am holy. And remember this also, that as you journey into this new year, Christ says, I go before you. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. You are not the underdogs, far from it. In the estimation of Christ, there is no people like you. As God would say to his own people, I've loved you with an everlasting love, and I will not take my love away from you. Is that a privilege that we say our amen to every day? the very promise that Christ has given to us. He promises even to the end. Lo, I'm with you always, he said, even to the end of the world. So as Jesus gives direction in these words with regard to their relationship to him, because of him, remember what he is saying to you and to me. You and I, we can do nothing of ourselves. Whatever our aspirations are, whatever we want to do for the cause of Christ, remember this. I can do nothing of myself. And when I think of the great Apostle Paul and all that was laid out for him, the responsibility that was given to him, he gives to you a message of hope. Listen to what he says in Ephesians chapter 2. I'm reading from the authorized version here. And you have he quickened who are dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works with the, worketh in the children of disobedience among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, 
in the lusts of the flesh, in fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. And it's what he says then, and what encompasses the hearts of you and me. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he has loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you are saved. Now, as you may be reflecting upon yourself, and yes, recognizing your own unworthiness, remember that you are made righteous. You are made worthy through the blood of the everlasting covenant. And yes, you may search your heart. Yes, you may look down the valley from whence you have come. And you might shake yourself, even at yourself, and wonder why. Paul is the answer. By grace, you have been saved. And for what? A purpose? Yes, that we speak forth the unsearchable riches of Christ, always remembering that what we try and do in his name, we cannot do it of our own. As Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. Amen. Let us pray.